Hello, welcome to another episode of My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. The world got a little crazier for me this week. The radio host I have worked for for 16 years announced his retirement. Front page news all across the country. Alan Jones has been the undisputed king of Australian radio for 35 years. He's walking away from the microphone at the end of the month. My job is redundant, so I'll walk away with him. The end of an era for for me, that's for sure. Uh, I'm not sure what the future holds. I would have liked to have been able to walk the Camino, to be honest. (laughs) But it's not available and and certainly not doable for the foreseeable future. In the meantime, if you need any gardening done, you know who to call. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, a collection of pilgrimages across Europe. The most popular is the Camino Francaise, which winds its way from Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port on the French side of the Pyrenees to Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain. There are pilgrimages across the UK, from Rome, Jerusalem, the Netherlands, Germany and beyond. There's a Camino in Australia, if you're inclined. Pilgrims walk, hoping the Camino will provide for them. It all depends on what our needs are. You might be seeking clarity, devotion, heart space or enlightenment, or company, or no company. I have walked only two Caminos and I'm a rookie. The experience, though, had an incredible impact on my life. I can, when I focus, look at most things in life through the prism of pilgrimage. And a pilgrim carries only the change of clothes, water, some medical supplies and a rain jacket they need for that day. They come to learn we don't need all the excess baggage we carry with us as we hike the journey of life. The Camino can provide perspective on what's important. I received an email from a pilgrim in Nova Scotia in Canada. It was just hours after a gunman shot dead more than 20 people just up the road. My correspondent said, I need to write to you to say thank you. Merci. In these extremely difficult times, I have your voice as a guiding light. I have your guests to remind me that humanity is good. You once said that you would like to think that a pilgrim could listen to your podcast from St. Jean-Peterport all the way to Santiago. Well, this is not the time when one needs your podcast. One needs your podcast when their entire province is in mourning, when we are living in uncertain times and all we need is a reminder that on the way, we will have all that we need. Another emailer wrote in light of my episode with the musician Dave Sutherland. She said, I just listened to your interview. That was the most beautiful podcast I have ever heard. So much honesty and truth. It's rare to hear people speak the truth of their heart and also be able to express truth clearly. Such honesty brings a tear to the eye and does something to the heart. Well, it's truly an honour to have the opportunity to tell your stories. Lisa Cron is an American story coach and the author of Wired for Story, the writer's guide to using brain science to hook readers from the very first sentence. She said, story, as it turns out, was crucial to our evolution, more so than opposable thumbs. Opposable thumbs let us hang on. Stories told us what to hang on to. My guest this week is a brilliant storyteller. Andrew Suzuki is a Camino filmmaker. His YouTube videos have been viewed hundreds of thousands of times. He's on the line. Welcome, Pilgrim. 
G'day, Dan. You've got a beautiful voice. You should work at radio. <laughs> Perhaps I should. Good idea. Maybe. Why didn't I think of that? You know, <laughs> you're the man behind the Don't Stop Walking and Beyond the Way videos on YouTube, bringing the Camino de Santiago to pilgrims all around the world. In the prologue to the first season of Beyond the Way, you're sitting by a fountain looking absolutely exhausted and you ask yourself, how did I get here? Well, how did you get there? Tell us how the Camino came into your life. Sure. Um, so about 10 years ago, um, it's a strange place for this for the, the Camino story to, to begin, but about 10 years ago, I was uh, sailing down the Ganges River in India in a, in a rickety old uh, sailboat um, with, with a bunch of um, travellers. And a, a fellow traveller, uh, Jenny, was this in, incredible, inspirational, uh, I'll call her senior um, person. Um, and she uh, had done the Camino in, in the 80s or something. And now she was, uh, I think she was in her late 60s when I met her. And she was, um, you know, jumping into rickshaws, uh, onto rickshaws and into you know, Indian trains and, and living on the banks of, of the Ganges with us. And when I saw this woman who was just so inspirational, telling these incredible stories about, um, uh, you know, walking across Spain, sleeping in barns, eating cheese baguettes, and um, just really living a very, very simple life, um, that resounded with me tremendously. So... Um, yeah, it's it's it was very much a chance encounter that brought it into my life um, in in a very very odd situation on on the Ganges in India. How many years did it take for you to step onto the Camino post that meeting? Uh, I think that was about five years. Right. So, do you remember what the 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 light bulb moment was that made you or prompted you to say, "I'm going. I'm going to do the Camino." Uh, well, I think like many. Um, yeah, it, the light bulb was that it was just time. Yeah. It was just about, uh, it was finally time to do it. Um, and I couldn't just keep not doing it. Yeah. As eloquent as that is. No, well, that makes a lot of sense to, to the people who listen to this podcast. But let's get this out of the way and get it out of the way early. How do you explain the Camino to people? Um, I Look, I generally like to say that the Camino is an introspective journey, uh, or I think maybe I'd like to push it and say it's like a spiritual gym, but I'm always a little bit iffy around words like spiritual. Um, so I'm always really mindful to be real about the way that I communicate the Camino uh, to people. I think it's, it's hard, it's uncomfortable, it's painful uh, on multiple levels, um, and certainly in ways that you've never thought possible. Um, you know, I think that the people are amazing until they aren't, and then they are again. So, you know, it's, some days are the best days of your life, and some days you just, like, I don't know, ugly cry on your knees in the rain, eating a stale croissant. <laughs> but it feels good afterwards. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. It really does. It feels good to get rid of it. Yeah, it does. It does. I think that you, it's, it goes both ways, though. I think that you build up a lot of stuff with it as well. Yeah, that's right. Well, you do a lot of thinking. Yeah, for sure. How do you explain the impact it's had on your life? Uh, it's, 
I hate to say this because it makes me sound like a caminophile, but um, it's completely changed my life. Um, I was already on a path of change for a very, very long time. I, you know, I, I've always been an, a, an aspiring philosophical Buddhist stoic slash armchair philosopher. Um, and part of that was always talking and thinking about the idea of living simply and, and living with less desire to be less attached to material things. Um, so yeah, when, when I did come back from the Camino, I finally had the, I found the, the courage and conviction to, to like walk that talk. Um, so I, I, changed everything in my life. I, I sold everything that I owned. I traveled the world for 18 months, um, which and, and that included doing some just incredible uh, things. Um, and then eventually I moved to New Zealand. So it, it couldn't be a, a, a more, a, a grander, greater difference to my, my previous life. Yeah, so when you find yourself now in New Zealand, uh, is it home? Do you think it's home? Or are you still part of, are you still transitioning? Are you still moving? Are you still searching? Um, I, th it's, I, like, I probably, because I'm a filmmaker, I try not to work in cliches, but uh, they are the thing that I default to the best. And um, I think that no matter where I am, I am home. Mm. Uh, that was the thing that I noticed the most when I was traveling for 18 months is that I could, um, you know, I, I, I spent three months in Bali uh, living in a tiny shack in, in, in a rice paddy. Uh, well, I mean, by tiny shack, I, it, you know, it had air conditioning and reasonable internet, but uh, it was, you know, quite small. And um, I still felt that that was home. Um, so... Yeah, I think home is where you make it. It's it does become a choice. Yeah, you're right. It does become a choice. What was it like living three months in a rice paddy? It was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, it was beautiful. I I would get up in the morning and do some yoga and and watch these just poor guys going to to till the fields all day. And then I would um, actually at that stage I was editing the first season of Beyond the Way. So. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, my work didn't stop. I kept um, working on the films, but I was just doing it uh, in very beautiful places around the world. How fantastic. So let's talk about the films. There, am I right in breaking up your work into three series? There, there are the two Don't Stop Walking series, then Beyond the Way season one, and now Beyond the Way series two. Is that right? Uh, it's, I, I'd say it's, it's right enough. Um, there yeah. are two... There are two web series. Uh, there's Beyond the Way, which is the story-based one. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Don't Stop Walking, which is the, the practical guide. Yeah. And both of those have, have two seasons, I'm, and I'm currently working on the second season of Beyond the Way. And how many videos in total? Uh, it's um, a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Beyond the Way season one had 10 episodes, and season two will have more than that. Uh, Don't Stop Walking had six plus 17 is 23. It's, it's 40. There'll be 40 something by the time wow. it's all done. So how many Caminos have you walked? Uh, I'm uh, like you. I'm uh, if you want to consider it a Camino noob, I've only walked twice. But um, I don't I, I don't think that that makes you a, a newbie. Um, 
Yeah, I, I can't be more profound to that, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> Why? I mean, I, I think... I think that every time is it's like the first time, yeah. And then it then it grows back, and you're like, oh, I remember this pain. Why why did I come back? <laughs> um, and then you have some great experiences, and you remember why you came back, and you have some growth, and you go through that that constant phase of pain and growth. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's new every time. It's funny. I remember rushing to get to the municipal albergue in Nahira. Uh, by the river there, mm -hmm. I think I think there are ninety beds in that room, and I remember rushing there, thinking, "Why am I doing this?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why am I rushing to sleep in a room with ninety people? <laughs> exactly, it doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't make any sense at all. And I was so excited that I got there, and there was only fifty people in front of me, <laughs> <laughs> and we had to sit in the sun and the blazing sun in the middle of the day while we waited to be stamped and, and admitted to this ghastly room with only a handful of little tiny windows. And I was thinking, boy, this is fantastic. And then just the other day, I thought, Andrew, th that's never going to be able to open again, probably. Mm. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. The, you, the, you, the days of having 90 people in one room are over. Yes, yeah. I think it's a real... The Camino is really going to have to go, undergo some, some major... Um, infrastructure change to be able to come out of this on the other side hey yeah i agree and i think i think that's really it's something that i've held back from talking about in my films or on social media because um because we like to have a little bit of hope but uh there's a point where the hope has to kind of give way to reality and um i think that that we need to kind of accept pretty soon that that you know the, the those days those glory days of the camino the way the way that we had it have to change yeah. i think worldwide travel has to change all mm. of these things have changed from from now onwards yeah um so yeah I, and i'm sorry i'm sorry to all the folks who did have to cancel their mm. um their trips oh. and have had those dreams um taken away from them yeah yeah but but I, I, the thing I keep coming back to is, are you safe? Are you alive? Do you have food? Then you are blessed. Yeah. Boy, that's the truth, man. That's so true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we like look, look from afar. Mm. I mean, imagine sure. being in one of those little tiny villages that relies entirely on those oh, people to come yeah. each year. We've got it good. We can't complain. Um, you mentioned the... Um, you have only walked a couple of Caminos. Did you collect Compostelas? Uh, no. No, actually, I don't, I don't collect the Compostelas at all. Um, I, I got my first Compostela uh, in Santiago, and then when I got to Finisterra, I burnt it. Um, wow, and, why? Well, I just, for me, like, as I was saying before, I'm, I try not to be attached to the material side of things. Mm. Try it's I'm I'm terrible at it. I mean, watch me get excited about a new lens or something like that. But, um, um, but I try. It's a practice. Everything's a practice, and um, for me, I didn't need a souvenir of the Camino. Everything everything that I needed was inside me, and in my films. Um, 
I, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to sound too cliche, but I feel like I carry all the best bits mm. of the adventure within me. Um, and, you know, <laughs> and I was thinking this the other day as I, was, as I went for my, um, you know, my allotted walk around the block, um, that I, I kind of, I carry the Camino with me with every step as a, as an, as an old pilgrim, because my knees and my hips click with fiery pain every step that I take, um, owing, you know, to my experiences on the Camino. <laughs> That's a pretty, pretty awful way to remember it in many respects. But do, when you talk about sitting down to edit um, this latest series of Beyond the Way, do you consider mm. it work? Or are you still, and are you still a pilgrim? You just mentioned it there. And are you still on a pilgrimage? Uh, oh, man, so many questions. Uh, yes, I, I, I always thought that I was a pilgrim before I even went on the Camino, um, right. before I even sort of had considered the possibility of, of what it meant to be a pilgrim. Um, I think that pilgrims are seekers, um, and that's what's beautiful about the Camino is that it is so inclusive and you can be, as, as I refer to myself, um, a hedonistic heathen and still find a very reasonable degree of acceptance amongst all, all the other pilgrims. Uh, so it's a great place for, um, for seekers. Um, as to the question as to whether I consider the, the, the Camino to be work, that, that was the question, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. I, I mean, it, it is and it isn't. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a paradox. It's a labor of love for me. Um, I spend a hell of a lot of time uh, and, and have spent a hell of a lot of time on this project that I don't get paid for. Um, and that's been the, the way since the very first um, episode, the very, since the time that I left for my first Camino. Um, you know, I, I do it for the community, for the pilgrim community. Mm. Um, and I do it because I believe that the stories can, can change lives. Um, and that's, I guess, why the, philo the philosophy element is so important in the films to me, because um, I want to be able to give people the philosophical tools to make their lives better. Um, and, you know, in my last episodes, last few episodes of Beyond the Way, I've been talking about things like um, plans not going to plan. Um, yeah. And that's very relevant now. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 the entertainment of that. I, it's a, a phrase that I coined to, to try and be linguistically clever. The the idea of um, entertaining with wisdom. Huh. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Did you walk before deciding to capture the experience on film or did you plan to walk it and shoot it before you went? Uh, no, I was, I was a good um, uh, filmmaker for a change and I actually planned, uh, planned it before I went. Um, but that's also stupid because making a film is extremely difficult and walking the Camino is extremely difficult. <laughs> And and both of those things makes everything twice as difficult. It's difficult to the power of two squared. Um, but the th what was great was that those plans went out the window quite quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, for instance, the original plan never included me as part of the film. It was always going to be very cinema verite and in in 
in cinema verite, the filmmaker is invisible. It's just you sort of stand back and watch. And then we would hear the, the Pilgrim stories. And I would never be a part of that, uh, especially to camera. But um, uh, that changed over the weeks. Um, I realized that that um, that that film had been made a dozen times over by a dozen other people and that it needed to be changed. It, that story needed to be shaken up a little bit. Um, and I think that in doing that, I've, I did create a very unique series. Yeah. Um, I think it, it might be one of the only Camino or, or one of the few Camino films to really lean into that friction between drama and, and humour. Yeah. Um, and with, with sort of the goal of having a tangible life lesson at the end. Yeah. You do it very, very well. And, oh, thank you. Yeah, and, and well, let's talk about storytelling. How important is it to capture what the Spanish call sole sombra, light and shade? I, that's a really... What was the term? Sole... Sole sombra, light and shade. Light and shade. Yeah, um, I love that as a concept. Um, I, th- I might even just use that. I might use that in my next film. I, I think that that might... I've been having writer's block this last few days and I think that that's oh, exactly think, the... I'd love to think I've contributed in some way. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, light and shade. I think that all struggles are about the struggle between light and, and dark or light and shade. Um, and, and the drama comes from the fact that, that there's no balance that, that, and, and that's where the tension is. Um, you know, there's a, there's a Buddhist saying, and it's very much what we've just been talking about, um, that everything changes and that our suffering comes from the resistance to change. Um, and, you know, mm. as, a, as, a, as, a, as a songwriter yourself, you probably understand this as well. Um, you know, what would we write, what songs would we write and what stories would we tell if everything was fixed and unchanging, where there would be no growth? So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that huh. that's, you know, I'm talking in that, in that tension area, in that area between the light and dark where that, where that fight is constantly happening. Um, that's where the change is. That's where the growth is. Um, and that's where my writer's block ends. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, light and shade in all we do is about balance and balance is no doubt a truth that you seek, a truth in the pictures that accompany your stories. How much of what you do, the stories you tell, is framed by what you've shot and the footage you have and do you see a scene and then are inspired to find a story or you do, do you discover a story and then find footage to accompany it? Um, it's definitely a little bit of both. It varies on, on the situation. Um, so for instance, uh, when in, I think it was episode four, episode five of season one of Beyond the Way, uh, it's called Perfectly Perfect. Um, I saw a, a pilgrim carrying a cello, um, which I obviously decided to call a large guitar. Because I'm a heathen and I can. And, um, you know, that was just me seeing something and my curiosity was piqued and I gathered up the courage to talk to him. And, and yeah, for, he, was, he was absolutely a pilgrim. And it was, ended up being a very awesome story, one of my favourite stories. Um, 
and that was just me sort of stumbling on 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 a story but um also on i think it's episode maybe three of season one um i it's an episode called in the name of the father i talked to two cousins um and both of them had lost their their father at some point um and it was uh, this was a story that you know, I'd travelled with these with these ladies for five days, six days, and and kept, you know, they were some they were my favourite uh, Camino family on that first journey, and um, I didn't I didn't get that story until very late in the in the piece. So um, that was another one where I sort of was walking with the story and didn't find it until like right at the very very end. Um, but I mean, having said that, the story is always like retold and refined in the edit suite. It's all, it's all written and researched and planned and all that sort of stuff. But when it's uh, when it's in the field and I'm shooting, it's very run and gun. Um, it's um, it's very unplanned and spontaneous. And you know, there, it was not uncommon for me to be sprinting down highways to get um, with all my pack. Um, to get you know expansive wide shots as my character walked into frame or something like that. So and, and actually I, and sort of I think I really hurt my body doing that quite a lot. <laughs> well, that's right. A, a, a true filmmaker spends a lot of time waiting to capture that moment, don't they? Mm, mm. Yeah, it's one of the joys yeah, and about everything. It. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Everything was unplanned, unscripted. You're just walking down the highway and I think, oh, what I want is a shot of them walking with the sun behind them. And that would mean that I have to be 200 metres down the road and uh, sprint ensues. And um, <laughs> actually, something that I, I've noticed very, very recently whilst editing is that I can hear my myself breathing or gasping for air because I've run to a position and then you have to hold yourself as steady as possible um and uh, as you get the shot and then when it finishes it's just like <gasps> yeah anyway <laughs> you know i don't want to ask you about your camino advice but i want my listeners to watch your videos but what do you get asked more than anything and more than anything um i probably i'd say that most people ask how much has the camino changed my life mm. Um, and I think that, I think my response is kind of unfair because I was already very open to change. Yeah. So, so, you know, my, my life change has been pretty extreme and I don't think everyone has such a hugely profound experience. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure you've, you encountered this on, on your Caminos. Some people are just there for a cheap holiday and cheap beer um, so, you know, they're going to get something very, very differently out of it than, than I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's still a good trip. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's still a good reason to go. Um, yeah. Do you, Andrew Suzuki, do you have a favorite or significant place on the Camino and why? Oh my God. So many. Um, I, okay. You'll have to give me a few, um, so somewhere on the Meseta, uh, a woman sunbathing. And, and that is just purely because, obviously, there was a woman sunbathing on the Meseta, um, just, just in, in the field of wheat. It was incredible. Um, obvi I think, like so many pilgrims, 
I have a lot of memories at the front in the front courtyard of the cathedral in Santiago. Mm. Um, and, and I mean, that, uh, obviously, on my first Camino, it was it was very, very social. I had I found a lot of Camino families in that uh, experience. Yeah. But my second one was is actually very solitary, which was uh, very unexpected. So um, I did go to uh, to Mugia the second time round uh, on, on that second Camino. Um, and I found that being in Mugia alone with no friends um, was was like, I don't know, equal parts satisfying and depressing. Yeah. yeah and, wonder... and actually, that's, that's that light and shade again. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that dynamic in there. Tell us a Camino story. Um, okay, so this is a. I, I'll try and keep this one relatively short, um, but it's it starts on the Camino and then ends up on the other side of the world. Um, I met a pilgrim in Pamplona, and um, she was just she just looked ha- ha- like not haggard. I was going to say haggard. She looked she looked haggard. Yeah, I'll I'll call it for what it was. She was almost in tears. She was limping. And um, she just needed to be shown where the the municipal albergue was. So um, I walked her to the albergue. I carried a bag. It was it wasn't a massive ask on my part. I, and I was on the other side of the town, and, and I was staying on the other side of town. But that was fine. That's what pilgrims do. They help each other out. Yeah. Um, we we crossed paths a few times. Um, she was a musician, actually. Um, and, and we'd talked about doing other sort of documentary stories together. Um, and about a year after the Camino, I was, um, in, in my post Camino, um, traveling around the world for 18 months, she posted on Facebook if she knew anyone in Nepal, um, and not, not to sound too, um, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. Um, I, I was... I was in a monastery in Thailand at the time, just doing a, a meditation retreat. And um, I thought when I saw the message, I was like, I, I love Nepal. I'd been there before. He really spoke to me. So uh, and I, you know, this was a, an old Camino friend who was saying, can you help me with the project? Can anybody help with the project? And I was like, I'm, I'm right next door. I'll, I'll go next week. Um, and I guess what followed was was like 10 incredible months um in nepal they were just uh, you know inspiring and gut-wrenching and heartbreaking they were just all of the things um and i think the the camino pushed me out of that comfort zone that i and i never would have taken that kind of risk uh beforehand um and actually when i was in Kathmandu, that was the closest that i'd ever come to some sort of spiritual or, or maybe even religious epiphany um because I was, I was literally head in my hands, rocking back and forth on on a bed in Kathmandu, uh, because my laptop had gotten stolen and it had the whole film on it, and all the footage and all the edits. No. Um, and I was, I was right, I was still in the middle of working on it, and um, just through, just I, I don't want to call it a miracle, but through some sort of intervention, perhaps um, the the laptop was re- returned to me by a, a Christian missionary who after, you know, after a long conversation said, God wants you to finish this work. <gasps> so, I mean, it's a, it's a long story. Um, wow. But you know, it, it's, it's, it, I always say that the story starts like a joke. Um, you know, it's, it's 
a Buddhist monk, an Indian philosopher, and a Christian missionary decide to torture um, and redeem, you know, a, a, a hedonistic heathen spirit or something like that. That's great. That's yeah, great. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That, yeah, that's great. What a story. You know, um, I want to talk about the three series, um, your, your work really for the last few years. Your, your two Don't Stop Walking series are about, I suppose, knowledge in a loose sense. That, would that be fair enough? You know, sort of providing sort of information in a sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I call it a, uh, a pilgrim's guide to the Camino. Yeah, exactly. So tell us about Alba etiquette. <laughs> oh God, I was, I was hoping I'd never have to say this word that I invented. Um, Alberg, Alberg, Alberg etiquette, Albert, uh, Alberg know, etiquette, Al- yeah, Alberg etiquette, Alberg etiquette. Al- it's, so it's it's an episode of Don't Stop Walking, and it's about uh, Alberg etiquette, uh, and it was derived from all of my pet peeves that I've witnessed people do in in the hostels. And I mean, we all know you, you only need to be a pilgrim for a little while to have seen some of these things, like the people who pop their blisters in the dining area while people are eating. Um, one of one of my more memorable ones was uh, when somebody stumbled into the into the um, into the sleeping areas drunk after curfew, um, and they were loud and falling over things, and they came over and kissed me full on the face while I was sleeping. Oh, great. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it was a Dutchman with a great big bushy beard, and... Um, you know, it was thankfully he was one of my uh, Camino family, but you know, it's just you know the idea of Alberg Alberg etiquette. Um, <laughs> it was just an idea to implore people to be mindful of others in these you know these tiny shared spaces. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, please don't flash a torch in my face while I'm sleeping, and stop. Oh God, stop rustling plastic bags at night. Um, you know, the, uh, like many of us, the, the Camino brought out the grumpy old man in me. <laughs> it doesn't help when you don't get much sleep day after day after day after day either. Yeah, true. Isn't? True. The, the videos present an insight into what I want to learn about the Camino, what to expect, etc. That's all very well. But what do you tell people to expect when they walk the Camino? Um. Like I said before, I, I, I'm, I try to be a realist about these sorts of things. So I tell people that they have to expect like everything, you know, sorrow and elation and everything in between. Um, I think, you'll, you know, you'll be overjoyed by the beauty of strangers one day and furious at the stupidity of strangers the next. And then one day, the next day, you're that annoying, stupid stranger. It's... Um, <sighs> I guess it's it's what I was saying before about the struggle for balance. Um, it's it's reflected every day in in every step and in every person. Hmm. Yeah. And 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 blisters. I tell people to expect blisters. <laughs> I've interviewed people here who tell incredible stories of transformation, and they credit the Camino. I have asked most of my guests this question: How has the Camino changed you? Um, I think that now I feel like I can sprout lots of wisdom and philosophy and I can blame it on something tangible. Um, <laughs> That's a good answer. Yeah. That's a really good answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I have more courage when talking to people now and um, something that's really come out of it is that I can finally f- own being me. 
Um, mm. I, I've always, I, I've finally come to accept that I'm a little bit different. Uh, once upon a time, that was a big point of contention for me. But now I just, I don't know, I just embrace the crazy now. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing to learn about yourself. Um, and and that is comforting, I'm sure, as you pound your feet on the path of this life journey. But what have you learned about others? Um, I think that, I think probably the thing I've less learned about others is that um, that everyone's everyone's broken, everyone's crazy. Um, we're all perfectly mm. imperfect, um, yeah. and and probably that everyone deserves compassion as well. Um, that's something that you see very, a lot on the Camino, um, and it's you know also straight out of the the Buddhist handbook. Well, while we've got the Buddhist handbook open. Step away from the Camino for a moment, Andrew, and let me ask you this: Do you ever get lost? Um, I, <laughs> I would say that I'm always lost. Um, mm. I think my my view of the world bounces somewhere between philosophy, science, and faith. Uh, so it's very difficult to anchor myself anywhere. Um, and then on top of that, there's probably. Uh, I don't know, societal, societal pressure to be a certain thing these days. Um, yeah, that's for sure. That, yeah, right? And so that certain things mean that you're a success or a failure. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I walk around feeling like I succeed at failing all the time. So, um, yeah, I think I'm always lost. <laughs> Great line. Succeed at failing. I don't know about that myself. I don't know. I think you might be selling yourself short. Beyond the ways, I know I mean that, I mean that, but beyond the ways about telling stories and you've, you've got a great sense of humor and timing and you're a natural storyteller. Where do you think that ability comes from? Um, I I would say that, uh, it, my humor ability comes from, uh, my, my godfather, uncle John, everyone's got an, an uncle named John. Um, he, he was a, hilarious Dutchman. Uh, I knew him my whole life. Uh, he would always tell just dirty stories and just make crowds of people burst into fits of laughter. Um, and then one day I was doing impersonations at, at school and I realized that I could make people laugh too. Uh, and that was, I guess it was something that I developed over time. Um, yeah, I, I think humor is just my superpower. <laughs> Pretty good superpower. That's, yeah, I like yeah, that. I, That's I great. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that and, and cooking as well. Cooking? Yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, go on. Tell us about your cooking. Because you know what? Oh. I love cooking. I love it. Oh, right. Really? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't really know what to say. I, I, there is a um, uh, Spanish soup that I've made a bunch of times. And every time I've made it on the Camino twice on, on, on both Caminos. Um, and yeah, every time it just gets rounds of applause, but I just don't think you can go wrong when you throw enough chorizo into anything. So is that, yeah. is that the, is it Galicia Calego? Is that? Is... No, oh, okay, no, right. it isn't. I, I wish I actually knew what the name was. I, right. It might, it might be, you know, Spanish in inverted commas. <laughs> right. Okay. It was a, 
I think it was a Jamie Oliver dish from uh-huh. you know nineteen nineteen eighty five or something. Fantastic, fantastic. No, I love to cook. It's it's like a slow meditation for me. I just absolutely love it. It's one yeah, of those things I, I don't know quite why. It's something in a past life or something. I don't know why. Um, do you think everybody has a story to tell? Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, they. I don't think that they might not all be interesting stories, but definitely everyone has their story of, you know, loss and struggle and and success and and life. You know, and and life. Um, mm. I definitely think well, that well, some me, people. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I don't know. I was, I was about to say just the way you answered that. I thought you were pausing to let me ask the next part of that, which is how much is is it your ability to draw that story from them opposed to the story in your subject? Um, how much is it my ability to store, draw the story from them? Yeah, as opposed to... Their actual story. Yeah, I think it varies. Again, it varies. Um, I'm not sure that I'm the best, that I'm the best interviewer. Um, and actually on my second Camino, I've had a lot of trouble finding pilgrims to interview. Um, so some people I interviewed, I'd literally met minutes before and mm. I had to find some thread of a story to pull on. Um, I, you know, for instance, I met a woman, um, who was just checking out of an albergue in, in Mushia. Um, and just fleetingly, she casually mentioned that she was carrying her father's ashes on the Camino. Um, and so two minutes later, I'm running down the street, following her, getting her story with my, you know, I pulled out my camera and, and slapped a, a microphone on her. Um, and that was as much as I knew. Everything else from there, I, it was, it was, um, I just had to make up as I went. Normally you have some sort of pre-interview or you've known a person for a little while mm. before you start to interview them. But um, thankfully in that case, um, she was very generous and she didn't have any boundaries. So, she, yeah, in, in that case, it was all her. Yeah, that's great. You know, um, some, I, th- I think most pilgrims are happy to wear their heart on their sleeve, but some tend to keep their sleeves tucked into their jacket and we have to peel back the layers to find the heart. And I've said here mm-hmm. before that the Camino provides an opportunity for time and space and time to discover what's important to us and space to enjoy it. What would you say to someone thinking of walking the Camino? Um, are you talking about just like what tips would I give them? Well, if someone said, no, I thought about it, should I do it? What would you tell them? Usually it's, it's usually a conversation. Um, it's, it's usually, you know, why do you want to do it? Obviously, yeah, I mean, do it, obviously. You know, I'd love to join anybody on that. Um, but I, again, I try to be very realistic about it and just remind people that it's not all heartstrings and angels. Um, it's, it's hard work from, from the beginning. You need to, I, I always say to people, start training six months before you leave, buy your boots, get them professionally fit, get a professionally fit backpack, um, you know, do the research, break in everything, uh, learn how to, to dress your, your feet before you go, go on long walks with all of this stuff. Um, and, and then you might cover a quarter of what you are going to experience when you arrive there, because, um, obviously the experience is much, much bigger than 
just the, the, the mechanical motions of walking and what that does to your body. Because um, then that obviously leads into uh, religious or spiritual beliefs, if that's a thing, or, or people just looking for more, um, more of their own answers, um, their own introspection. So it, it is, it's a long conversation. Every time that I've had that conversation, it's a long conversation. Yeah. I was in the United States recently. One of your biggest fans, Brian Danker, said to me, if he feels a bit down in the dumps or he's struggling a bit with his pilgrim focus, he watches one of your videos and it takes him back to the Camino. And I thought, you know, that's a great legacy. That's awesome. Uh, I I love Brian. It's it feel, you know it feels really weird to have um, what I would consider to be well what what is considered to be fans, um, but you know I'll I'll let Brian be the president of my fan club. That's that's fine. <laughs> but but in a wider sense, in the spiel for Beyond the Way. You say part of pilgrimage is about self-discovery and acceptance. What happens when a self-confessed hedonistic heathen decides to begin the 800-kilometre Camino de Santiago across Spain? How much can a man without faith learn? And then I know when you mentioned earlier you called yourself a hedonistic heathen, what, mm. what has the Camino taught you to believe in? Oh, belief is such a interesting, it's such a difficult word um, because it means different things to different people. Um, you, know, it, you need to ask me much easier questions. <laughs> and this is, you're supposed to ask me what my favorite Camino food is. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, belief is such a complex and, and almost loaded word depending mm. on, on who you're talking to. I don't think that the Camino... Um, made me believe in anything spiritual or religious, um, but I think that <laughs> I think that it just made me believe more in myself. Yeah. Um, but but also I think that because I you know science is one of my one of my axes, um, I think that science would just call that a confirmation bias. So I don't really think that that really counts. Um, I don't know. Maybe I didn't learn anything. All, all that I know is that I know nothing. That's classic philosophy. But that's a pretty good thing to learn. Yeah. yeah that's it's a real good thing to learn. Tell us about the new series. From what I've seen, you've really stepped up a level in terms of production and content. It's magic. What can we expect in Beyond the Way, Series 2? Oh, thanks. That's really nice of you to say. Um, I feel like Beyond the Way has grown up a little, um, but... Th- that might be more due to my skill as a storyteller. It's, you know, it's just evolved over the last four years, five years. Um, at the beginning of the first season, I was still trying to figure out what, what the series was. Um, and now it's finally grown into its own sort of a thing. Mm. Um, season two is definitely going to be very different from the first season. Uh, a lot of the interviews were done whilst talking to people while that I literally just met, like I said before. So there was a, a real chaos that I've had to start dealing with in the edit suite to to deal with that, um, and just in general, the 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 Camino Portuguese was was much quieter and darker and wetter um, when I went. So that's definitely reflected in in the tone. Um, but you know, I, it's it's like with all my work. There's some really fun moments. Uh, there are going to be some very sad moments. Um, I get, there's, 
<laughs> there is a point where I get very, very lost uh, and have to spend the night out in the woods. Um, and, you know, there's another point where I sort of uh, was not watching where I was going and tripped over and severely smashed my knee. Um, so, you know, there's 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 lots of um, imagery of me just being an idiot, uh, being being lost, crying. Uh, I think some of that will end up on the cutting room floor. We'll see. Um, yeah, I think a lot of the, the, fundamental, the fundamental elements are the same, but I think that there's a lot of new stuff. It, it just feels like a, a more grown-up version. Yeah, a more grown-up version. I like that. Um, mm. You know, um, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, actually. Um, you, oh. <laughs> yeah, you tell other people's stories and you look for something, I suppose, in their eyes, the way they carry themselves, and that would tell you that they have something to share and something that will resonate with others. It takes an enormous amount of work to do what you do, a labour of love, I'm sure. Andrew, I just wanted to thank you on behalf of all pilgrims from the work that you do. My friend, long may your focus be not just on what you see through the lens, but also what you discover in your heart, which is probably your true vision. Long may the path come up to meet you, pilgrim, and walk on. Thanks for the work you do on behalf of all of us. Buen Camino. And Altrea to you. My guest this week, the filmmaker and storyteller, Andrew Suzuki. If you're not familiar with Andrew's work, consider this an introduction. Sit somewhere quietly and watch what he does. It's funny, it's moving, it's inspirational. Sometimes you'll cry, you'll laugh for sure, and you'll be taken back to the Camino de Santiago, where we'd all love to be. I love Andrew's story, and I love Camino's stories. Lisa Cron is an American story coach and the author of Wired for Story, the writer's guide to using brain science to hook readers from the very first sentence. She said story, as it turns out, was crucial to our evolution, more so than opposable thumbs. Opposable thumbs let us hang on. Story told us what to hang on to. Andrew Suzuki is a master storyteller, and we're very lucky to have him in our collective spirit. I'll be back next week with another podcast, and you can sponsor me if you'd like to help keep the podcast going. Uh, you can go to my website, danmullinsmusic.com, and follow the links, danmullinsmusic.com. And I'm going to, from the start of June, I'll be doing a weekly concert, a Zoom concert for all of my uh, Patreon sponsors, danmullinsmusic.com. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way Somewhere
beside me Will you lead the way Footsteps by the fountain Carry Blessings such as it is. 